You're listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. College basketball season is upon us. Within a week, we will have our first slate of games, starting with the Champions Classic and everything else. We're going to start, as we always do, looking at uh, the Power Six conferences, breaking it up um, so it is manageable. Um, we'll start with the ACC, um, a big time down year for the conference. Not a single top three seed in last year's NCAA tournament. And of course, one of the top seeds, Virginia, didn't even make it out of the first round. Um, that being said, this is Coach K's final ride. So that will get a lot of the headlines this year. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're looking at the top of the ACC, a lot of teams primed for bounce back years. Do you think Duke will make this truly a storybook ending for Coach K? Or do you see someone else taking home the title this year? Really, to me, I think it's how good is Paolo Banchero? Like, he gets so much hype already and can and sounds like a guy that can carry this team. Um, Duke needs to be a better defensive team than they have been in the past three to five years. They, they really haven't played very good defense lately. Three-point shooting has been a massive issue, but we've seen with guys like Marvin Bagley or a guy like Zion, you can kind of get rid of that when you have someone that can dominate the mid-range to low post game. Um, and if Banchero can do that, then Duke should be in pretty good shape. He's he's getting all the plaudits and all the, the praise early on. All that said, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a bounce back here. I think Duke is going to be very very much improved from last season. They should be competing in the top three. I I can't see them falling behind anyone else. I think there's a pretty clear top three, too. I think it's Duke, North Carolina, and Florida State. And of those three, I'm going to take Florida State just because I think, and this may be controversial, I think they have the best coach of the three teams. Some would call that controversial. I am a a big Leonard Hamilton guy, so I'm I'm supportive of you there. Um, yeah, I, I think going back to Paolo, his his stock within the basketball world um, hasn't risen quickly, but I think comparatively within his class, he has been spoken about more and more in glowing terms, um, for sure. especially at the top. I think right now he is uh, one of the prime candidates for next year's number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. in the NBA draft. And if he plays like that, then Duke has a chance to be very, very good. Um, people yeah. forget, did not make the tournament at all last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Friendly reminder. I, yeah. I'm I'm actually not going to go with Duke either. I'm going to go with North Carolina. Um, I think North Carolina had a very, very good offseason. And I think mm-hmm. Hugh, Hubert Davis, first year as coach, is going to have more of a fresh perspective um, than Roy Williams did. Roy Williams, Hall of Fame coach, very good coach, got a little set in his ways um, and not really embracing some of the more modern aspects of basketball. Um, mm-hmm. I think part of the reason that North Carolina struggled so much over the last several years was just too much traffic in the paint and not surrounding that with shooters and um, always be, you know, even very successful Marcus Page teams really struggled to shoot the ball. Um, and you still got interior talent on this roster. Armando Baycott is very, very good at basketball. Um, 
even with all of the other interior departures. But I really like who they picked up in the transfer portal because it brings a lot more versatility. Um, Dawson Garcia and Brady Manick. Versatility, ability to step out and hit outside shots while also providing support on the inside. Um, and then really the key is going to be Caleb Love's progression. Um, if he's able to really take the reins as a sophomore and, and run this team um, better than he was able to last year, then I think North Carolina's got the inside track of the title. Yeah, they. I, I love their starting five. I love Brady Manick as either that stretch four or sixth man, whatever whatever position he might be playing on this roster. I think it should suit Dawson Garcia better to play with a big man like Armando Baycott because it takes the pressure off of him to be that low post presence as opposed to more of the mid-range um, stretch four game that he, he likes to play although he's not necessarily a perimeter threat. But, yeah, I, I can see that for sure. Um, I'm glad we both agree that it's not going to be Duke, but I don't know. I You talk about a good offseason. I mean, Caleb Mills at guard for is – there, is there a guard that fits Leonard Hamilton better than Caleb Mills? I, I don't know. He He's a phenomenal pickup. They bring back Polite. They've got Malik Osborne coming in. There's so many weapons yet again. This team will go, what, 10, maybe 11 deep for another season. And the height continues to come in as I think they brought in another one or two seven-footers for Florida State. So big question mark for me is can they keep up the three-point shooting that they had last year, they led the ACC at 37.6%. If they do that, it's going to open a lot of things up. But defensively, they need to get back and, and continue to play and get in passing lanes and be disruptive as they were. Yeah, Ham's found the blueprint and stuck with it um, year after year. Uh, so it's it's been incredible with the roster turnover that they've had you know, seemingly the last few years and been able to keep play at a very high level. I do like the Caleb Mills pickup. I think if he's able to kind of get back to the level he was as a freshman at Houston, then he's got a chance to be an All-American caliber player. Um, and yeah, in, in Hamilton's system, that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that yeah. it's, it's never going to be an easy night going up against Florida State. And I do still think even with a lot of teams poised to have sort of bounce back years, uh, it's still not going to be a super strong top of the ACC compared to what we might have been used to. Um, so there's definitely opportunity for a Florida State to to jump in there and, and snag some hardware. Yeah, I, I actually think from four to mm, 13 is kind of up for grabs. Like, yeah, there are certain teams that are definitely above the others, but I, I could see all of these teams really competing with each other, and there's no combination that would really surprise me. Like, Virginia, Virginia Tech, I mean, just reading through, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, NC State, Miami, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt. Like, maybe the bottom of that could get a little dicey, but I do think there is enough talent on any of those teams to finish in the top half of the league. Yeah, I mean, there's a very, very tight-bunched second tier. Um, and with that in mind, kind of, this is one where – there's much, much smaller chance we say the same team. But when you're looking at that second tier, um, 
who kind of jumps out at you the most as a, a potential sleeper team? So on the surface, I'm going to take Virginia Tech because Kivi Luma is maybe the best player in the conference. Like I, th- I think there's a real case for him to be preseason uh, player of the year in the ACC, just given precedent. Expect his numbers to jump uh, 15.2 points, 7.9 rebounds a game last year. I I think that gets to 20 points and 10 rebounds a night, depending on what defense Mike Young decides to play. But that team su- has been surprising. They have been the November team of the, what, the last two years now since, since Mike yeah. Young has arrived. Another hot start like that, I actually think that they have the roster makeup to continue that success and and move forward. Storm Murphy coming over from Wofford, a, a recycle from Mike Young's previous school. And there, there's just – Justin Mutz is back as well, excuse me. That was another guy I wanted to bring up. But they've got the ability to, to play strong defense but also have the inside-out capability. And uh, I, I like Virginia Tech. I think – that they would be the team of any of those in that second grouping that could get through. And I know, I know Tony Bennett and Bennett ball works. We don't necessarily like it, but it works. And like, they will be competitive more than they probably should, but Virginia tech would be the team I'd take. So a couple of thoughts about both those. Uh, I mean, Mike Young has been a very good hire um, despite, you know, the Mr. November jokes. I, I know at the time, that hire didn't really move the needle at all, um, but they have been a lot more successful than anyone would have expected. Now I just love that he's slowly recreating Wofford's roster um, in Blacksburg. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, it's worked so far. Why Why wouldn't it continue? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think they'll have a strong season. Virginia is very intriguing because there is not a lot um, on the roster relative to what Tony Bennett has had during this sort of run of theirs. Um, Kia Clark, the the headline returner, and then a couple of big time transfers. Jaden Gardner is basically East Carolina's whole team seemingly. Um, So I think the big question with him is putting up a lot of numbers on a bad team. Will he be able to to translate um, immediately into the ACC? If he can, then Virginia is going to be very good again. Um, I think style and- is more my question. Like, I think he's got the skill and ability to do so. We, like you said, uh, we've seen a lot of guys come from those mid-major levels and try and play in the bigger leagues. And even like looking back, um, North Carolina has had a few guys over the past couple of years that really haven't translated from maybe a little lower level than East Carolina. But I don't know. I, stylistically is my question for Jaden Gardner. Like, does he fit the pack line defense mold? Because as we've seen many, many times with Tony Bennett, he you're not going to play if you're not playing as a part of this system defense. Yeah. And if we're you know relying on, on transfers rather than developing freshmen, the time to figure that out and really buy in is, is a lot more limited, but right. I was going to say, too, like Armand Franklin's a, a very good pickup in terms of every good Virginia team has, you know, at least one guy who can actually shoot and score from the perimeter. Yeah. That's what he can provide. Um, but again, yeah, it'll be if 
if these guys want to play big minutes, they're going to have to buy in defensively first and foremost. Um, Kyle Guy will be the first one to tell anyone that. Um, but all that to say, I'm actually going with Notre Dame as my sleeper. Whoa. Um, this was uh, – there, there were – a lot of teams looking at this was a little, little bit of the deeper sleeper. Um, considering Syracuse as well, but didn't want to offend anyone on this program. Um, but Notre Dame is is very, very intriguing because I think worst case they are a February Fran McCaffrey team. Um, the the offense is going to be very, very good. It's going to be all about defensive buy-in so you've got four starters back Prentice Hub who is good but he hasn't really been Demetrius Jackson good so if he's able to find kind of the next level that could be um, something that really propels the team forward but mm-hmm. you've got him three other shooters around Ivy League player of the year Paul Atkinson um, with the entire paint in which to operate so offensively they will be a-okay can they stop anyone is the question. Uh, last year was a resounding no. Um, so much the same roster returning. Not a lot of reason for optimism there um, in terms of just year-over-year growth, but they did just bring back longtime defensive coordinator Anthony Solomon um, as an assistant under Mike Bray. So not going to go from 0-60 to 60 immediately, but I do think there's going to be a lot of defensive strides uh, made this year as he's able to kind of mold the defense back to what it was when they were making sweet 16 elite eight runs. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I don't think Notre Dame is, is going to challenge for a title per se, but I think they're going to get back in the NCAA tournaments um, and they're going to be much better than they've been kind of floundering the last couple of seasons. Ken Palm agrees. He's got Notre Dame preseason 96 defensively with a six rated offense. So yeah. <laughs> uh, again, uh, uh, nothing surprising there. It feels like something's got to give here. Either Notre Dame needs to get back to winning ways or Mike Bray needs to go gently into the night. And I don't think he is interested in going anywhere, but Notre Dame doesn't seem like they will or want to fire him. So for everyone's sake in this scenario, you just you hope for a winning season so they can get back to the NCAA tournament and buy him a little more time. I'm intrigued to see. I, I like some of the pieces they have, as you mentioned. Prentice Hub is back. Paul Atkinson, another interesting, like we said, low to mid-major guy jumping up to a high-major conference. So I, I would love to see him go up, go up against the bigs of North Carolina or Florida State and, and see how he can handle that. And it'll be some uh, some fun early season tests. This is a program that has had a lot of success at Maui. They'll be back again. Um, it's not the strongest field in the world, um, mm-hmm. but every team outside of Chaminade is at least solid, starting with St. Mary's and then second game potentially against Oregon. So We'll get some uh, some good licks at them early, even before ACC play, and uh, kind of see what we're dealing with, if there has been some year-over-year progression. Uh, who's getting the Maui bump? I don't know. A um, couple of new coaches. Talked about Hubert Davis um, a little bit. I think at this point, it seems like pretty much everyone is uh, pretty confident that he is 
capable to to come in and and run the show right away. Um, I mean, not not the sexiest hire in the world, but I think keeping it in the Carolina family was important to the program. They were able to accomplish that um, pretty smooth transition, and it seems like there is a lot of energy and excitement behind the program, um, maybe even more so than there's been in the last couple of years. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think uh, we saw we saw something similar with Duke, um, even though John Shire has basically been groomed since he committed to Duke yeah. over <laughs> Illinois to be the next head coach there. Um which is nice to keep it in the like Chicagoland area family as coach K people forget is from here. But yeah, I, I think it's a good hire. He has, you know, a pretty good basketball pedigree. The history obviously is there and recruiting has been so far so solid. So that is exactly what you want to see getting off the ground, especially when you know that your biggest rival has brought on their coach in waiting who really isn't going to skip a beat, maybe even take a step forward in recruiting. I don't know necessarily that you can do that, given the fact that they have gone into the one-and-done game and really landed some of those top recruits, but maybe they just continue continue on there. But I like the hire for North Carolina. I think it makes sense. And at this point, that's the most important thing. Yeah. The only other one, Earl Grant, um, coming to Boston College from College of Charleston. By all accounts, a very nice guy, but it's uh, it's going to be a, a very, very tough assignment um, to get the Eagles back to the tournament for the first time since 2009. Yeah, this is a really interesting one. Um, four-year assistant at Clemson was part of the staff uh, that helped recruit KJ Mings and Jer- Jerron Blossom game. So has uh, some stature in the ACC, recruited some big guys, really helped kick off the Brad Brownell era at Clemson, BC is a different story. You know, he he is a South Carolina guy. He is from there, obviously did great things with CFC. Built that into, well, continued, I guess, that being a great job at that level. Um, BC is a lot different. They have struggled for quite a while now. Facilities aren't great. They need some resource updates there. The resources have not been good and and the recruiting is difficult to say the least, I think, um, when you're competing up in the, the New England area there. But he will have time. He will have, I I believe, resources. I believe they're they're getting ready to build a new practice facility. I maybe that's wrong. I thought I heard something about that. But time will tell. I I Again, I think I like Earl Grant by all by all accounts. He is a nice guy. You hope it works out, but I, I think this is a tough fit, kind of really shoving the circle in the, the triangle peg to yeah, make the I, children's analogy. Yes, very, very helpful to our listeners. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, it's uh, if, if they're not building new facilities, you know, that might not be the worst idea in the world because – you know, college sports recruiting specifically is uh, it's really an arms race. So yeah, if you're able to show off shiny new toys, that's that's a way to get programs back from the proverbial dead. Um, so we've talked about a lot of the 
elite players of the conference. Anyone else jumping out of at you as potential, you know, all American caliber players? Um I just want to make sure I didn't miss anyone. Isaiah Wong's an interesting player at Miami. I think he doesn't get enough run or, or talk because of how bad Miami has been lately. Um, and if he can stay healthy, he'll be someone to keep an eye on. Other than that, I think I think we hit most of them. You know, Duke's going to have a number of newcomers that are worthwhile and, like, going to be good players. A.J. Griffin, is if he can get healthy. Um, Mark Williams is an interesting guy at seven feet. Um, see if he can patrol the paint like that. Trevor Keels, I, you know, there's just different guys out there that uh, I don't necessarily know what they're going to bring because Duke has these just random freshmen that pop up. But I refuse to mention anyone from Syracuse. Uh, Jimmy B is dead to me. So uh, that that's really all I've got. I think I brought up pretty much everyone I wanted to. Okay, oh, yeah, Samuel Williamson over at uh, Louisville. I think he could have a big season. Yeah, Louisville's right there too in that kind of tier with uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech um, at all. Uh, Miami too, really. Like Wong's probably got a, a great shot as being the, the best perimeter player in the conference, um, which a lot of people might not have been expecting, but kind of an interesting roster that uh, Larinaga's got down there, got couple of high impact transfers, including Charlie Moore is extremely well-traveled. Um, 15th year in college. Yeah. Oh, he's no Jalen Coleman Lance, but we'll no talk the big 12 former um, teammates. Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, uh, the perimeter is going to be stacked in Miami. Will they get some interior production is the big question there. Um, kind of how middle of the pack in the ACC is um, there's a lot of, not to be redundant, but very, very strong strengths um, each team, but uh, gaping holes at the same time that might keep teams from reaching their, their ultimate potential. Uh, one other name I wanted to mention, Michael LeBeau at uh, Georgia Tech, Yep. now having more of a run of things with no Moses Wright, no Jose Alvarado. Um, this is running mate last couple of years. 15 and a half points, uh, 40% from deep last couple of seasons. So with pretty much taking over the team, those numbers could jump up. Um, Georgia Tech as a whole is probably going to take a step back this season, but um, that's one guy I think who could have a strong year. And then your boy, Buddy Beheim is has uh, got a, a very good chance to be an All-American first team all ACC player and Syracuse strategy this year is just shoot the three like mm -hmm. with with reckless abandon um almost everyone in their rotation is uh is just going to be a shooter um I don't know how effective the the zone is going to be because they do seem to be a little less athletic than uh most of the the Bayheim era teams they have in the past, but it doesn't always matter with the zone. Sometimes it's just uh, people play against it and, and lose their mind. Um, so Syracuse, I feel like, is primed for another 
11 seed season um, where they win at least a first round game. They have no business winning. Uh, I mean, that's, that's the script at this point. Please not, not rooting for it to happen. It just seems that maybe it won't happen because this year it seems like the roster is constructed with that in mind. Um, So if you try to do it intentionally, then maybe it won't happen, but that's, that's the only solace I can try to provide for you at this point. We hope. That's all it is. We hope. Let's uh, let's move over to the Big East. You can uh, talk about happier things for you potentially. Your uh, your neck of the woods. So uh, yeah, that's that's something at least. Um, but Big East still um, has more of a college football vibe to it in that there does seem to be a little bit of a gap between one team and the rest of the conference. That team, of course, is Villanova, Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, both returning for an extra year of school as the rich stay wealthy. Um, Is it it still Villanova's conference, or do you see anybody potentially unseating them this year? No, it's it's Villanova's league. They're... uh... They're pretty safely the best team in the conference, and I believe firmly up there in the top three as best teams in the country. It helps. It helps when you return a guy like Colin Gillespie. It helps when you return a guy like Justin Moore, who is poised to take over and really be the star player. It helps when you get a guy like Jermaine Samuels, who has won seemingly a million games at Villanova. Eric Dixon gets a chance off the bench now. Caleb Daniels is back the list goes on and on. Um, They're going to be really good. They're going to be hard to beat. Uh, Offensively, they're going to be crazy annoying. You feel for Brian Antoine because he is hurt yet again. Um, If he can get healthy, that's another threat they have. Trey Patterson's going to be doing big things for them. Brandon Slater looking for a big year, and they recruit well. Like It's it's just very difficult to beat Villanova. Um, Jay Wright, has a fortune 500 company for a program i was gonna say it's it's humming like a machine or a fortune 500 company exactly right (laughs) some would say some would say um all right i'm i'm with you across the board there we don't have to delve any deeper in next things could get depressing but yeah um going to the next tier um it's a little different than the acc which is a little more bunched up. Um, I think there's still pretty clearly multiple tiers to the conference, but um, who, if anyone, do you see potentially surprising jumping up and uh, challenging Villanova this year? So I think there are four tiers in the Big East. DePaul is in its own tier at the bottom. There is a tier three of about five or six teams, and then there's a second tier of three or four. I'm going to go with a deep sleeper here. I'm not going to talk about my own school. I'm going to talk about Providence. Nate Watson is going to be an absolute monster this year. Another transfer from a school near and dear to one of us on this program, Al Durham, is going to have a huge year for the Friars. Uh, Noah Horkler, A.J. Reeves is primed to have a huge season. He was he was very inconsistent last year. If he can find... Uh, a healthy season and some of that just really scoring ability he had his freshman year. He's going to be incredibly good 
They get Justin Manaya over from South Carolina. That's a really good pickup. The bench isn't that deep, but it doesn't need to be. They've got seven or eight guys they can really go to and count on um, to make plays. And if Watson continues to dominate like we expect him to, uh, really could be a 20 and 10 guy. There really aren't that many dominant bigs in the Big East. So if you look at that alone, he can keep them in a lot of games or even take over games for them uh, in conference play. The problem, we say this every year, Providence always has a ton of talent. Ed Cooley's a great coach until he isn't, seemingly. like that. That is the thing about Providence is they have the talent, they have the ability, and then all of a sudden they lose two or three games that they shouldn't and the season kind of falls apart. Yeah, it, I mean, first of all, you think about where this team would be and how much we'd be talking about them in the preseason if David Duke hadn't decided to leave early. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that would have been a a huge, huge addition to this roster. Um, yeah. But Al Durham's a, a decent consolation prize. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of, the hype train's getting rolling a little bit already on Providence. They do have a, uh, a key win and a secret scrimmage over Purdue, who is going to be very good this year. Um, Can't wait till someone puts that on their resume come January oh, or February. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, with with this becoming more and more rampant and the results more readily available, secret not uh, not doing as much heavy lifting as it might have in the past. That yeah. is something to potentially look out for. But yeah, Nate Watson, one of the best bigs in the country, um, so I think he he will be able to carry um, Providence well into the top half of the Big East, um, but. Again, yeah, I, I do think we have this conversation every preseason um, where, like, look at this roster. Like, they're a tournament team. They have to be. Um, yep. And then oftentimes they find a way. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is not a tournament team. I don't know what we were thinking about. Yeah. Um, so, we'll see. I, I do see a lot of reasons for optimism in the preseason, though. Um, yep. I will I will definitely agree there. Um I didn't talk about Seton Hall either, so I thought you might and knew knew you could do it better. Um, but I, I am, uh, I'm going to put a lot of faith in uh, in St. John's and Mike Anderson's ability to piece together a transfer heavy roster because of your, uh, you know, handful of uh, returning pieces in the rotation. You have two of the best in the conference. You've got Julian Champagny and Posh Alexander, who is already a defensive force. Um, but those two guys kind of as your core foundation, I think anyone in college basketball would be, be happy to start there, but um, they really hit the transfer market hard um, really addressing I think three different parts of the roster. You've got kind of the, the lower major guys on the perimeter, Steph Smith, Trek Coburn, Coburn um, to kind of address more the offensive needs. Um, Got some tweeners from the Big Ten, Aaron Wheeler out of Purdue, Montez Mathis out of Rutger, um, and kind of the hope is Anderson's running more of a free-flowing system. Those guys hadn't had as much success as they might have hoped in uh, you know, Big Ten running systems like Matt Painter's at Purdue, so come here, maybe have more success. And then um, alongside Champagny in the middle, Joel Soriano, who's just 
a brick wall. Um, one of the best rebounders in the country, both sides of the glass in terms of uh, rebound percentage. Again, a ten a little different than than the Big East, but hope that that can translate a little bit and you know help the Johnnies get more of an edge in rebounding. Um, this is a story I think we're going to see at a lot of teams over the uh, across the country this year. Is just how do you get all of these new pieces to mesh? Yeah. Um, but I think that since the two most important ones have already been in the program, already know what it takes to be successful there and can hopefully help um, bring some of the other guys along uh, to buy into Mike Anderson's system. So I think there's a, a very good shot that we see the Johnnies go dancing. Yeah, St. John's is going to be a tough out, I think, for everyone. Montez Mathis really fits well next to Posh Alexander because they're pretty similar guards. So not, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Joel Soriano just really has to play the same game he played at Fordham and putbacks and rebounds. Like that, that's all he really needs to do. Uh, they need to space the floor for Champagny, which could be a problem because Mathis really isn't that good a shooter. Um, Coburn gives them a little bit more in that regard. Shooting will be an issue, but uh, again, like you mentioned, Steph Smith's there. Aaron Wheeler's an interesting piece off the bench. Dylan Adewusu is back. He is another defensive guy. Like th This will be a tough team to score on, if nothing else. So Mike Anderson's built there to a lot of guys at the end of last season that they can go and they can feel free to go wherever they want. And they did. And a vast majority of them went down to mid to low major schools. So you have to imagine there's a pretty big uptick in talent on this roster from a year over year perspective. And I, like you said, a lot of new pieces. So it'll be how quickly can this team mesh? They did have a not so great secret scrimmage result against Rhode Island. But again, I don't put any stock into that. I like the people that claim it's amazing. And then when their team loses, it doesn't matter which is exactly what the Johnny's fans have done, but it's, it's something. So uh, when we're starving and, and hungry after months and months of no college basketball, there's going to be overreactions to things like that. That is exactly what I was going to do though. Um, after gassing up Providence, just <laughs> like regarding St. John's, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter. It's not actually a data point. Um, and also, for a team like that, like it is pretty brand new still. Um, yeah. Getting all those guys to play together. So I think in that scenario, really, really not putting that much stock into it anyway. Um, but, there was, uh, yeah. as, as I'm more plugged into St. John's Twitter, which is an unfortunate thing, yeah. there were tweets saying this team could win the national championship after they blew out Baruch in a scrimmage. Uh, which is a local New York school, for oh, those who gonna, don't know. I was going to say, no. Uh, and then they lost to Rhode Island, and then it was like, oh, well, these, these results don't mean anything. Same person. <laughs> same person with the same tweets. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun to see people overreact to something that really doesn't matter. Yeah, um, so that's, that's always fun. Um, two new coaches here um, for for schools that really needed them uh, for 
keeping it a buck. We've got Tony Stubblefield over at DePaul. Maybe we'll be the guy to uh, to get DePaul off the schneid and at least, you know, competitive within the conference, not such a mainstay all the way at the bottom. It's a reputation for a very good recruiter. Um, not necessarily somewhere that DePaul has struggled as much. They've got some good, great guys come through the program. It's just been about building complete teams. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to do that. But it would be it would be nice as Chicago guys, I think, if uh, if Chicago had a uh, a good Big East team. But it's been a minute. Yeah, for for all but one game or two games a year, I guess I would be fine with that. But, yeah. Well, yeah, um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think recruiting is never where DePaul has struggled. We we've seen them time and time again in and landing top one hundred talent and good transfer talent. It's the actual on the as my voice goes, it's the actual on the floor town, uh, on the floor results that, that we haven't seen sans what 2019 or 2018's first 12 games. What a magical run that was. It was the, the wind trust arena was absolutely hopping for those games. Um, I feel bad because I don't think this team is, 11th place bad in the big east but someone has to be and i think of all the teams it, it probably fits them more there are a lot of new pieces i don't know how they're gonna fit really i like nick Ongenda as a big i don't know that he's really a big east caliber big he needs to bulk up a lot to be able to be that javon freeman liberty can shoot and that that really is is all i can say there and they're going to be reliant on a lot of new pieces. Brandon Johnson, Jalen Terry, Ahmad Bynum, the freshman, like talented guys, but I don't know how quickly they can fit a system and how quickly Stubblefield can like really make a mark on a program. So if he can continue to keep the recruiting up, they can't afford a down tick because they're already recruiting at a pretty good level and not winning. So if that, if that drops, things are going to go from bad to worse. Um, but it, at this point, they need some some results. Yeah, that would uh, that'd be nice. Um, and then Chalk is smart at Marquette. Uh, a kind of uh, you can't fire me, I'm leaving move, which was was elite. Ended him up at Marquette. Uh, the common complaint under Wojo um, during that era was Marquette could score at the best of them, but just not get stops. Certainly not when it mattered. Shaka will change that. It'll certainly be a more defensive minded approach and you know, bringing over a guy like Daryl Marcel from Maryland, reigning big 10 defensive player of the year will help to that end. But right now working with, almost an entirely brand new roster. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a couple years safely before we see the final results or something that we can kind of expect to be competitive with the top of the Big East. Yeah, 100%. Um, an inspired hire, I would say. Disregard 
honestly don't even disregard the results that Texas had because Marquette would kill to, to have had that over the last few years. Um, I will say I am incredibly sad that the Wojo era is over. If I had my choice, I would have had it go on in perpetuity because it was phenomenal as an opposing fan. There, you really didn't worry about Marquette. And I think that is the worst thing you can say because they might win a game or two against you, but you know you're going to get the next four or five. Um, so it, it is time to worry a little bit. Marquette always is, is a national brand. They recruit well. Shaka has shown that he can recruit well. I mean, just look what he did at Texas. Um, and, and he now has the ability in a, in a looser reign, I think, to really play the style of basketball he wants. It suits the Big East better than it does the Big 12. So I expect Marquette to be up and running and in the conversation in the top four or five within the next two years. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a step down from Texas. Um, is no question about that, but absolutely, I think this is more his wheelhouse. So it's it's yeah. still it's pretty it's similar enough to VCU, and that's I think he can build out a similar style and be successful. I think he was just trying to recreate the same magic at, at Texas with very different rosters, which just was a, a failed marriage. Zero wins in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so saw the writing on the wall, got out of there found a new home. And uh, if you're a Marquette fan, you can't really complain about the hire at all. Definitely uh, not. Nor, nor should you. Other uh, Nate Watson, I think is uh, one of the, the top names, Champagne as well. We've talked about them. Um, any other guys in the conference jumping out at you um, in terms of all American potential? Yeah, I would uh, keep an eye on Sonogo from UConn, he, he's going to have a big year uh, in, in the paint. Um, Andre Jackson is a name I've actually been hearing a lot lately, not necessarily as an All-American candidate, but certainly as a uh, surprise All-Big East player, potentially. Um, Paul Scruggs is someone to keep an eye on over at Xavier in his, I believe, 15th year of college. He refuses to leave as well. Got to give some love to Seton Hall at this point. And I think actually Jared Roden obviously is going to get the plaudits. He's, he's the one that is uh, preseason all Big East. But Derry Richmond, the Syracuse transfer, I think has the, has the ability and the style and game to make the jump, given a good year, to the NBA and be a first-round draft pick. He is a 6'6 guard, elite court vision, elite defender, if he can shoot the ball a little better than he did last year, there's no saying he can't be a an all big East player, be an all American and see a first round draft pick. So he is also someone to keep an eye on. I mean, Butler brings back everyone. So it's going to be a little tough. Um, Bryce Enzi is probably maybe Aaron Thompson of those him, one of those two, um, or if Chuck Harris just really shoots the ball incredibly well. And I feel like I'm missing one person that I wanted to mention, but I will cede the floor. Yeah, I hadn't really mentioned uh, Xavier before Scruggs, but that's that's an intriguing team, and I really like their front courts of uh, Fremantle and Jack Nunji coming over from Iowa, um, an old friend. I think that team has a, a potential to give Villanova a scare, too, especially if Scruggs keeps up 
the level he's been at. Um, yeah. Pretty much all the, the individual players wanted to mention, but also just Creighton is going to be wild this year. Yeah. Um, like everyone left, but the talent they're bringing in, like the five best recruits in their program's history will make their debut this year. Yeah. Uh, four from this class, one from the last one did not play last year. Uh, so the, the floor and ceiling are miles apart. I would say for Creighton, it'll be very interesting to see how this season transpires, but I think over the long run, next two to three years, they'll be right back in the mix with, uh, you know, the top couple tiers of the conference. Yes, I, I agree with that. And to close the loop on Xavier, uh, speedy recovery to Zach Fremantle. He's, he's got a foot injury that's going to keep him out till probably December, end of December. So hopefully he's back for conference play. But I agree. Big, big front court there. Um, yes, Creighton is going to be interesting. If they were not an interesting team last year, they are certainly one this year. Uh, Kalkbrenner is back. AOC is back. Sharif Mitchell is back. Other than that, it is all newcomers. And this is going to be something because, like you said, top recruiting class in the uh, in the Big East, best recruits in the history of the school, uh, Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander, Mason, I mean, names upon names upon names. They've got their own Shvili, so they are taking a page out of the Seton Hall book. Ready, Andrana Shvili. Um, that they're going to be fun. Like I think if we've seen them, like the the let it fly mantra happen before, they're absolutely going to do it again, and and even more this year. So I expect a high tempo, uh, really running gun style yet again. Yeah, and it'll just be interesting to see kind of who picks up. The slack defensively um, is able to kind of be that guy. No, no Mahoney, no Jefferson. Um, some of the the guys McDermott used to like to rely on. Um, yep. I mean, certainly if any of the the freshmen can come on and and take on that sort of role, then you know maybe they'll they'll be better sooner than expected. Defense will be optional for this team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as as it is a lot of the time. But yeah. there's, there's usually at least one or two guys who can. Uh, can lock it down one-on-one. Exactly. Uh, any closing thoughts on the Big East? No, I think it's going to be a good year for the league. Um, hopefully not as one-sided as we've seen it in years past, where it's Villanova with like a four-game lead early on. But I think recent years have shown that that it's going to be competitive from top to bottom. So I'm excited. There you have it. Um, that'll do it for us on... This edition of our college basketball previews, we will be back next time to go over more of the Power Six, and we will see you then.